Well, thank you for being here this evening. Uh, we come to, to the final uh, word spoken by Jesus on the cross, uh, the seventh, as we have been considering these uh, over this season of Lent. Uh, these words, as we have noted, uh, are instructive for us, uh, for they show us that Jesus is the once for all uh, perfect sacrifice for sin as he died on the cross. He is also the perfect example uh, for us as well. Uh, but that's really the secondary uh, reason that these words are given to us. The primary one is ultimately his death for us and for our salvation. So I'd like for us to turn to the passage that was read for us, Luke chapter 23. Uh, and I'd like to just uh, highlight a few things on this final word that Jesus spoke in verse 46. Note again with me that the text tells us that Jesus cried out uh, with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The first thing that I notice here that Luke tells us is that Jesus called out and it was with a loud voice. The same was true of the previous word that we considered when he declared it is finished in John 19 and verse 30. And one of the reasons I believe that he said this loudly and clearly was so that he could be heard by those around him. Also, with him speaking in this loud voice, it indicated to you and me that his life ended with strength, that he finished his course. He finished the work that the Father gave him to do. It also indicates when he cries out that he was not forsaken by God at the very end, he still looked to God at the most critical point of life, true for all of us, the termination of his earthly life. I find it interesting, uh, I have a book in my library called The Last Words of Saints and Sinners by Herbert Lockyer. And it's interesting that unlike Jesus, many have said things like this, Alexander I of Russia said, I'm dying of fatigue. Another, it was a French name I couldn't pronounce, so I'm not even going to attempt it. The last words were, I regret my life. Charles uh, uh, Church died in 1864. He was an English poet. And he said, what a fool. I've been. John Randolph, 1773 to 1883, was an American statesman well known for his oratorical powers and most influential at a critical point in the American history. Having neglected the interests in his own eternal welfare, at his deathbed was not peaceful as he might have been. These were some of his words. Remorse, remorse, remorse. 
Let me see the word. Show me it in the dictionary, then write it. Ah, remorse. You don't know what it means. I cast myself on the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy. Well, way back in the time of Plato, who was a Greek philosopher, it is reported that his last words were this, I thank the guiding providences and fortune of my life, first that I was born a man and a Greek, not a barbarian or a brute, and next that I happen to live in the age of Socrates. Right after him, the quote from Socrates, who was also a Greek philosopher, was so proud, uh, he lamented to his wife that he died innocent. Uh, However, he said to Cicero, one of his disciples, Cicero, we owe a cock to ellipsis. Pay it and don't, do not forget it. Uh, the note is mentioned here. This bird was the usual thank offering for recovery from disease. Here, Socrates meant it as the disease of life. Kind of interesting that so many of these individuals indicated that uh, in their last moments and in their last words, they showed no hope. And yet there are many who have emulated our Lord Jesus. I didn't even take the time to write down the uh, examples or copy them down uh, of the individuals who, who said the very same words that Jesus did at the end of his earthly life. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's kind of interesting, there was an individual that uh, I was visiting early on at my time at Pleasant View, uh, who was in the hospital. Uh, he had gotten sick, uh, he, it was discovered that he had cancer, uh, and uh, he was declining quickly. And I could remember going into the, his room with uh, the oxygen that was on him, and he could, could not really communicate. And I remember one time, he had enough strength to just point up and say, home, home. And it was shortly after that that, that he did uh, go into the presence uh, of his Lord. Now, we may not like to dwell on it, but a person's last words are telling because they reveal what is in the heart. And note with me again what Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. First, I notice that his focus is Godward to the Father, his Father. Jesus had a unique relationship to God the Father being, in fact, God uh, the Son. Jesus said these words in John chapter 5 uh, and verse uh, 17. My Father is always uh, at his work to this very day, and I too am working for this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but because, but because he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And that wasn't the only time that Jesus made such a claim, a claim which in fact was true that they would not accept. In John chapter 10 and verse 30 through 33, we read these words. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. 
Verse 31 tells us, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, the Jews replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And yet, in the midst of all that, Jesus was declaring truth that he, in fact, had a unique relationship to God, being the one and only begotten of the Father, which made it unique. And he's saying here by this, uh, uh, this prayer and this declaration that his relationship remains uh, to the Father. It had been interrupted by his being a sacrifice on the cross, but now uh, it was restored. Matthew 27, 46, you'll recall, he was forsaken by the Father. And Hebrews 5 and verse 7 tells us that when he prayed, he was heard. It's kind of interesting that this uh, very uh, prayer that Jesus offers was a prayer that is recorded in the Old Testament. If you look at Psalm 35, uh, excuse me, 31 and verse 5, you read these words, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. And I find it interesting that, that it's said concerning this verse, Psalm 31, verse 5, that this is the first prayer every Jewish mother taught her child to say the last thing at night. And so here was Jesus praying this prayer. His focus was on God. His relationship was to the Father. And he was indicating here also, that even at the very end, not only was his mind fixed on the Father and on prayer, but it was also upon the Scriptures and what God had promised. Will this be the same thing for you and for me when we draw our last breath? Jesus prayed these words not only to show that his focus was Godward, but also it shows his perfect submission, his perfect yieldedness to the Father. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7 tells us that I have come to do your will, O Lord. He came into this world to do the Father's will. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 and 42, prior to his crucifixion, he pleaded with the Father in the garden that this cup might pass. But each time he says, not my will, but yours be done. And Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 tells us that he was obedient to the point of death, even death uh, of the cross. And Jesus was able to be confident in death because he was yielded uh, in life. And Charles Erdman says this prayer was an expression of perfect trust in God and the perfect peace that that brings. Let me ask you this, can you and I uh, say the same thing? Uh, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, this is why I am suffering as I am. He was defending his apostolic ministry and the results that brought him the difficulties in life. Uh, yet I am not ashamed. Why? Because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. And what the Apostle Paul 
And what every believer in Jesus Christ is entrusting to God is the care of of their very soul, their very existence to God. I think that this uh, uh, prayer also reveals uh, Jesus' unique relationship as the Son of God and his Savior for all humanity as well. In Matthew's chapter, in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50, it says that he gave up his spirit. And if you were to look at John chapter 19 and verse 30, a parallel passage, it says, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The thing that's important to recognize in that is that his life was not taken from him but it was yielded up willingly, voluntarily. And he willingly tasted death for every person. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You see, Jesus died willingly in the place of sinful humanity. He said in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, and again in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. We, all of us, uh, unlike Jesus, by way of contrast, do not have power over our own uh, day or time of death. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 8 says this, no man has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has the power over the day uh, of his death. We don't have that ability to keep ourselves alive or to determine when our final breath uh, will be taken. That is ultimately in the hands of God. And Jesus dismissed uh, his spirit when his work was completed. In fact, Psalm 49 tells us this in Psalm 49 and verse 7. Psalm 49 And verse 7, no man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay. We not only do not have the power over our own death, we also, even if we were to give up our lives, could never save ourselves or, or anyone else for that matter, according to what the psalmist says. But verse 15 of that same psalm says this, But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. When the believer in Jesus Christ dies and leaves this earthly life, We go into the very presence of God, the one who has redeemed us. And this uh, this also indicates to us that even though we are helpless at the point of death, you and I can have victory over death through Jesus Christ by receiving his death benefits. I had it written originally, the benefits of his death, but because he died, you receive his death benefits. And they are these, uh, that you and I are promised by him. 
and through the Father, uh, eternal life. Notice Jesus' words in John chapter 5 and verse 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death uh, to life. And then we read the words in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse uh, 54, that, that great uh, resurrection chapter, these words concerning those who have been redeemed by the Lord and are in Jesus Christ, when the perishable has put on the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul says in a practical word, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Death is not the end of it all. And Jesus, uh, in offering this prayer to God, is thirdly showing that he is our perfect example in life and in death. You'll notice here that he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's committing his very soul, his very spirit, uh, to the Father's care. And this indicates to us that we are more than physical and material beings. That there is something to our existence that is different from everything else in the animal or natural world. We have an eternal soul that's given to us by God. It's created in His image. I think that this also is showing uh, us that there, uh, that there is life there is existence after death. There's a lot of people who hold to the philosophy and the teaching that once you die, that's the end. Everything is gone. Everything is hopeless. Here, Jesus is praying and saying, at this moment when I expire, when I die, Father, into your hands I am committing the care of my soul and my spirit. I'm giving it to you. Which clearly says that there is uh, life after death. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you might say, Paul, you're mad with your religious beliefs. You're a fanatic. But Paul knew that there was something beyond this earthly life. There was an existence beyond this earthly life. And it's far better, better by far than anything we know of our own experience even to this very day. In fact, Peter likewise echoed that same idea when he said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make sure about your calling and your election. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
It's interesting. He says you're going to receive a rich welcome into his presence, into his kingdom, an abundant entrance into his kingdom. And he goes on to say, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. It's always good to be reminded of these things. And he says here, verse 13, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. He called this body a tent, just like the Apostle Paul did. And Paul says, just like a tent that is, that is, that is, is easily felled, so our bodies fall off, but yet our spirit uh, goes to be with the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and Peter goes on to say, because I know that I will soon put, aside, put this aside, referring to his body, as the Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And Peter was saying here that even though he was about to die and face his own mortality and death, that he knew that there was hope beyond the grave. And you know, this prayer is a prayer that all believers can pray. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit is written in the Psalms. The Psalms is a prayer book. It's a hymn book. It's a praise to God. It's a journal to God of a commitment to God and a following of God in life through all the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the joys and the pains. And all believers can pray this. You know, Stephen did in Acts chapter 7 and verse 59 when they were stoning him with stones. Not only did he, like the Lord, say, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And when he looked up into the heavenlies, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing there waiting to welcome him into his heavenly presence. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy, again, chapter 4, these words, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all to have, who have longed for his appearing. And Paul knew that there was a reward that was awaiting him once his earthly work was now finished. And shortly after Paul penned these words, he died a martyr's death by being beheaded because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And multitudes of believers, as I have already referenced, have said these words on their deathbed, knowing that there was more to life than this earthly existence that there was life beyond the grave. There was hope beyond the grave because of Jesus Christ. And you also see in this prayer a yieldedness to God in death while expressing the faith captured by this prayer. There's a yieldedness to God in death that is captured in this prayer, this prayer of faith. And as, as my, my pastor, Pastor Waltz, used to say, this is that death is the final act of worship that the believer offers to God. When you offer up your life to him finally and say, I'm totally in your hands now because it's fully out of my control. It expresses total trust in the Lord. Commitment and contentment knowing that you are in God's hands 
You're committed into his care, your eternal soul, and your destiny. Warren Wiersbe said, said, this bedtime prayer was used by Jewish children, and it tells us how our Lord died confidently, willingly, and victoriously. Those who know Jesus as their Savior may die with the same confidence and the same assurance. This was a prayer that Jesus offered up to the Father as he breathed his last. And as as Luke tells us, when he had said this, he breathed his last. And when this gospel used to be read in the church in which I grew up, the priest always bowed his head in silence and waited as a reminder that Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, died. And he died for us. So I trust that you see from this seventh saying of Jesus on the cross, as with all of them, number one, that God loves you. He loved you so much he was willing to give up his one and only son to die for you. You've been died for. Secondly, he has made provision for our salvation. In fact, that's the only provision that's available. The death of Jesus Christ, the righteous one for the unrighteous. These sayings also indicate to us as a reminder that God wants to forgive us. That was the first prayer that he offered to the Father. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He also said these words because he wants to assure us, today you will be with me in paradise. He also said this because he wants us to have a relationship with us, both now and for eternity. He wants you to know him in that personal and saving way. And so each of these sayings of Jesus that we have considered Say to us, come to Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Come by faith. Trust in what he did on the cross in order to make you right with God. And if you do, he will give you newness of life, eternal life, abundant life, fullness of life, and an eternity that is beyond our even ability to fully grasp. And then, until he does call you home or return first, continue to follow him in your life. And that we also do by faith. Our faith will be challenged in this earthly journey. But keep looking to him, the one who finished well, so that we likewise could finish well and bring glory to God. Shall we pray? Our Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ for his death on the cross, for sinners like myself, for sinners like the likes of all of us. Lord, we don't need to go too far to be convinced that the human race is in trouble and has problems, Lord, that No committee, no individual, no uh, philosophy can really fix because it is a spiritual problem at heart. 
And yet, Father, you have dealt with humanity's problems at the cross. And just as someone said, Father, it's, it's as if you put at the crossroads of history a cross on which your son was lifted up. A cross that went vertically to heaven to make us right with yourself and then went horizontally as well so that we could be right with our fellow human beings as well. We pray, Father, that we might, as your believing people, always rejoice and celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ for our salvation. For it is in him that we are saved. It is by his blood that we're redeemed. It is by his sacrifice that we are made your own. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you in worship, reflection, and humble praise. Amen.